Hello and welcome back to another edition of Unpopular Opinions. My name's Chuck Taylor. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, The Briefcase, Mr. Casey Cobb. Casey, hey, say what's up. Hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, so we are back. Uh, this is the second episode in a two-episode part this week. Um, we'll be bringing you anywhere from, I'd say, one to three podcasts a week, Um yeah, we're, we're kind of breaking it up now with this new platform. So, yeah. Um, anyways, if you didn't listen to the other podcast, we're on a new platform. We're available on all your podcast platforms, just about Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitchers, uh, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. So check us out on all of those. Unpopular Opinions is the name. Um, and we will be bringing you all great college football content for now, possibly more later um, every week. So, with that, Casey, the second episode is uh, going to be a little more serious. It's going to be a little bit more um, non-scripted. It's going to be a little more, I don't want to say depressing because that, that won't get people excited, but it, it's, it's a little more somber, um, if you will. We're going to be talking about the current state of the NCAA, um, where we're headed, where we're at, and um, what these ugly and nasty stories of the, uh, not just the past couple months, but the past few years, um, several years have meant for the state of the NCAA and college football and where we're going to be moving forward. So Casey, the Ohio state, um, ruling came out, uh, earlier this week and they are suspending urban Meyer for the first four games of the season. Uh, is it three or four? You know, three games. They're going to three games. Sorry, the first sorry. three games. Yeah. Three games. Yeah, suspended for the first three games of the season for lying about uh, his knowledge of the domestic abuse um, allegations from his former assistant coach Zach Smith. So, Casey, you know, not just your thoughts on Ohio State. You can start with that, but lead us into uh, what's it looking like in the NCAA nowadays. Well, you know, here's the thing: the the, the way that the college football programs have been operating for so many years is just not going to be able to, to work going forward. You know, with the, the advent of social media and the access that uh, people have to records um, is going to make it much more difficult for things like this and other infractions that happen to be able to fly under the radar. You know, I, I wonder sometimes, right, we see so many different uh, things coming to light. If how much of this was going on, you know, years in the years ago, whenever the, the coach was just all powerful, was able to, to cover everything up and get everybody to work together. And, and how many people were afraid to come forward and talk about things that happened uh, behind closed doors. And, and I think that we're going to see we're going to see more of this. And, you know, I, I do you know me and and uh a lot of times i talk about how we're getting addicted to social media and to you know always having to have more and more information but you know there may be some advantages to it right that some mm -hmm. things that people are doing are brought to light and it needs to be taken care of and and we we can't live under this umbrella anymore and uh you know a, a three three game suspension you know man i think I think the most frustrating thing, not, not just, you know, continuing to hire somebody, because I, I, I think if you have somebody who is 
going through some difficult times, we always do want to give somebody a chance to try to give them the opportunity to be able to change and to fix themselves. But, you know, to see some of the, the ridiculous nonsense that this Zach Smith guy was doing, right, posting lewd pictures at the White House and, um, uh, you know, repeatedly getting into altercations with his wife, you know, these things are just, and that's not cool, you know? Yeah. And, and to... I think even more than that is Urban Meyer being at the, the Big Ten press conference and being asked about this and saying that he had no knowledge of it, you know, is uh, that's just very that's, – that's sad, right? You know, I, th- I think he could have been better prepared for that if he knew that was coming out. And so he goes up there and completely tells a lie. And I think that's really a problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, it, it comes into a – a bigger argument with um, the the inequality in the NCAA. I mean, you've got these coaches, especially the Urban Myers, Nick Sabans, uh, Dabo Sweeney's of the world. They're making not only millions of dollars, they're making more money than NFL coaches are making a lot of the mm-hmm. time, most of the time, especially these big um, Power Five conference school coaches. So they've almost been put on this pedestal of, you know, they, they – especially with all the boosters at these different schools and stuff like that, they've, they've got so much support that they, they almost probably feel invincible a lot of the time. And with this Urban Meyer, you know, I mean, the, the three games really uh, is, is kind of disgusting. Um, although, you know, the, the biggest problem is, and you can't lose sight of that either. You know, you want to punish a guy like Urban Meyer, but the you know you got to look at the, the the bright side of things and the real problem here is Zach Smith and he was at the most fault here and the the silver lining in all this is that he was removed from the program and he he was found out and he was you know dealt um, dealt of appropriately so you know yes Urban Meyer is at fault but he wasn't the one that, that came down with these actions. So the number one priority is to get at that person after that, then you can delve out punishments to the people who knew or knew about it or knew something. Um, so that's the silver lining, but with yeah. urban Meyer, yes. I mean, three mm-hmm. games. Right. Yeah. What he, really knew what was going, he knew what was going on years ago. Right. Yes. Florida, this was going on years ago and he kept bringing him along. <laughs> and talking about trying to help him out and that his judgment may have been clouded by, um, uh, you know, clouded by, by his uh, mentor since Zach Smith is, uh, I believe the grandson of Urban Meyer's mentor. Yes. And I think he, he probably overlooked it, you know, and and you got to think about it, right. A, A head coach of a, of a college football team is like, you know, the CEO of a corporation, the CEO of a corporation needs to know what's going on in their organization at all times. And, you know, the final responsibility lies with them. You know, I think back to um, when I was working at a uh, coffee shop that I shall not name on the air, but I was, <laughs> I was managing. And so whenever, you know, the leadership above me came in and pointed out something that was going on that was not quite right. I was the one who had to take the responsibility for it. I can't stand there and say, oh, well, look at that. Chuck didn't take care of that. You know what? That's his fault. No, it's it's on me because I am the one running the show. Absolutely. So I've got to be able to take the responsibility for it, and I've got to be able to go and be the one to fix it and take care of it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, more of it made sense once we found out that Zach Smith was this uh, you know, nephew or son of a mentor or whatever, because you really, you know, at first you're like, well, why, you know, why are you hanging on to this defensive backs coach or whatever he coached? You know, like you can't find another one of the, why would, the, you know, and then it came out, oh, okay. Well, now we have a, now we have a motive. Um, and things became a little more clear, but it, you know, it's not just Ohio state, you know, we don't want to pick on Ohio state. Um, you know, the university of Maryland, um, yeah. came out and that's, that's something that's really disturbing. Um, if you don't know university of Maryland, offensive lineman, Jordan McNair, um, passed away in a preseason workout. Um, he was a redshirt freshman and he collapsed on May 29th um, during a conditioning test and he was you know died a couple weeks later from heat stroke so I mean this is just something you never want to read but this is just you know this, this is a different um, different animal with the domestic abuse allegations but it's just another thing is you know with the safety related to football and the padded padded helmets and the, the, the concussion tests that are going on nowadays. And now you have something like this come out, especially at a power five team. Um, it's really disturbing how something like this can go unchecked and, and even happen at a program this, this large. Um, it's really disturbing what DJ Durkin uh, allowed to happen. You know, same thing with urban Meyer. It's not all him, but he was, he was in charge. Like you said, he's the boss. He oversaw everything, and he needs to be the one to to put a stop to it. And yeah. uh, well, I was just going to say, anytime you um, anytime you have a player or something like you know, not even in the game, over conditioning is just it's disgusting and it's disturbing, and it's it's sad that we have to talk about something like that. But go ahead. Yeah, they. From, from what I saw, they literally had to have guys hold him up to finish the the drills that they were doing. Like, they're yep. running. They had to complete a certain number of laps. They had to hold him up to complete it, you know? And uh, so this isn't like back in the – even back in, shoot, the 80s and 70s where, you know, you're just out there and running. I remember in high school, they had us running, running, running when I was playing soccer. And, uh, and there were times, dude, I'd just lean over to throw up. I was so, I was so hot and so sick, you know? And, yes. Uh, you know, we, we, we got to be careful in this day and age, you know? It's, it's, it's just a game. Even though we love this game and we get fired up and we're passionate about the game, at the end of the day, it is a game and, and we got to take care of people. And, you know, having somebody have a 106-degree fever and not being treated and not being taken care of like you should have, that's what is surprising. You got you got a, a huge university that's supposed to have top of the line physical trainers, top of the line medical people, top of the line uh, uh, staff members there to make sure that these guys are safe. And somehow this slips through the cracks and this happens. Right? I, I don't get that. Yeah, it's it's absolutely unacceptable. And I mean, you like I said, I mean, you're talking about someone's kid. You're talking about the death. Yeah. of someone's child and uh, you know i mean when you talk about something as, as silly as football uh, to be the kind of conditioning i mean it's just it's beyond disgusting it's beyond unacceptable and uh hopefully we never have to see anything like this again especially 
on such a platform as Maryland where <clears throat> there's, there's no excuse. There's absolutely no excuse. So DJ Durkin getting dismissed from that program, uh, rightfully so. And um, hopefully anyone else that was even related to that situation gets the right type of punishment because that, you know, like I said, as disturbing as that is, it, it demands that kind of justice. But so with these stories coming out and the, you know, it, it seems like every year we've got this and, you know, this sickening thing that, that happened at Baylor several years ago and all this, you know, there's almost like it's dark ominous cloud over the NCAA with these stories coming out. And then on top of that, um, people accusing the NCAA of raking over the coals over these players, the demand for players to get money and be able to get agents and get paid for their, their work and their services to these schools. Um, that's a whole nother discussion, but Oh yeah, we could go um, on in that one. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, just what I say is pay your... him. I got to say it. I say pay him. Give him some money. Yeah. We're not um, going to get into it today, but just you know, yeah. I, I think they should. We, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll do that to, another day. Yeah, we'll have to have another podcast on that because that's a big can of worms that has all different kinds of issues, logistical issues that I have. But mm-hmm. but no, that I mean, just where. Where do you see this? I mean, where, where are we at in five or 10 years? I mean, do we have an NCAA? What is the state of it? I mean, can you speak to anything of where you see this heading based on what has happened in the past? Can you think of another time in the 70s, 80s, et cetera, where things were this chaotic and, and what came of it? I mean, not just the NCAA, but any major sports, you know, sanction. I mean, you could say that about the NFL, but the NFL is not in the state that the NCAA is in. So, yeah, the, I mean, shed any wisdom on this on this situation? Do you have? You know, I I really can't think of it. You know, and and like I said, I really think it's due to the readily the the ready access that we have to information at our fingertips that that really gets these stories out there, rather than it just getting buried on a back page somewhere. You know. Yep. I think that's what's bringing the awareness. You know, will the NCAA you know survive this? Um, and I don't know. You know, I've, I've always heard people talk and been rumors in the past where they're like, hey, you know what? Let's take the, pop, the, the Power Five conferences and just, boom, start our own conference, right? Just move away start, the, start like a separate league type thing? Yeah, do a whole new league with oh. the Power Five. And let's just run this the way we want to run it, you know, because the NCAA, they just don't, they don't have that much. They don't have teeth. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about the NCAA, too, you know, I mean, we're just talking about NCAA football, but the NCAA encompasses all college sports, obviously. So, right, you can't the the solutions. Some of the solutions that people are throwing out there are for, or they're they're um, catered to college football, exactly. And they're not thinking about the big picture of okay, well, the NCAA is a multifaceted, you know, organization. It it has you know. You talk about NCAA, you're talking about college volleyball, you're talking about college golf, you're talking about, you know, everything A to Z sports wise in college. So it's not as easy as, okay, here's a solution for college football. Well, okay, I mean, that doesn't help the NCAA, that just helps NCAA football. Um, And when you do something to one branch of the NCAA, you know, I, I just don't know how that would work, how you could separate and, you know, I mean, College basketball, I don't know if you saw, but college basketball just admitted um, quote-unquote elite 
recruits to have agents starting this year. Oh, well, wow. what, I mean, yeah, I mean, what, what, but what constitutes an elite recruit? I mean, I don't even think they came out with what that means even. So it's just a tricky thing to me. I mean, I get that they're raking these kids over the coals with the money, but you know, I mean, college basketball and college football are the only two sports where you have to attend school and college football is for three years, college uh, basketball is for one year. I, I mean, I, I just don't really, I don't really see a solution because they say, well, let them go straight to the league. Well, if you let them go straight to the league, that fills, you know, the, the, the NFL and NBA practice teams are full right now. Some of these kids would be able to take some of these spots, but the majority of them are not ready to play in professional right. sports, especially college football kids, especially linemen in college football. They are not ready to play in the NFL. They're 18-year-old kids. So they need a transitional league, and I think that's where the NCAA comes in, fits in perfectly. Um, it's everything around the NCAA that people don't like. Uh, so the, the solution that people raise to get rid of the NCAA or get rid of NCAA football and basketball and you know even baseball, I don't know if anyone's pushing for that, but that is just ludicrous to me. Uh, to fix it is one thing, but to, to, to rid of it, it that, I, I don't see a viable way that you could do that. I don't see it happening. You know, I don't see the, the Power Five conferences moving away from it, you know. But but I do, what I do hope for is is that I, I you know when you look at what the NFL is doing as far as like their, and then they may have a little more clout, right? As when somebody has a character, um, uh, like some of the the abuse issues that happen in the NFL, if they have somebody who has some some moral characters, boom, they suspend them. Like they've been starting to take some action because they recognize the damage that it's doing to their reputation. And, yep. um, you know, I'm wondering if the, but who knows if they would give the NCAA the power to be able to do that, you know, to start really looking at it and saying, okay, this is a, this is a moral issue. So we really need to start cracking down on this. And it's also a player safety issue when it comes to like Maryland. We need to, you know, how do you, how do you have rules and regulations and how do you govern this across the board where you have set standards for, for, uh, for training and for, for taking care of your athletes? That are that are making money for your university. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. It's it's a whole can of worms, and it it goes back to this elitism that these coaches have that they can, you know, they they almost feel like they have to cover up these certain things because you know whoever has to play this week, why? Because I have to win this game. My job's on the line, and I'm making eight million dollars a year. You know, and it's. Maybe in the NFL, it's because they have a little bit more job security. Maybe it's because there's a little bit more jobs to have as far as coordinators and stuff like that. And they can fall back on. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't have a good reason for all that. But there is a there is way more being covered up in college football. You know, we don't see these huge scandals in professional sports. I mean, you know, every now and then maybe, and they're, they're normally on a smaller scale, and they're definitely not going on for years and years and years like they are in the NCAA. Well, and, and, and your, your coaches, these, you know, you go to the NFL, and coaches make a difference, yes. You know, coaches can make a difference in the NFL, but I, I don't see them as being as powerful as a college coach. College coach is like, you know, it's like a little, it's like a little emperor. 
you know? Like, no, and it, it almost like it, a God complex, a, a yeah. narcissistic and, and they, you know, they really want the attention, but they also have a lot of power and a lot of control, which you can't say the same for the NFL coaches. Yeah. And that goes back to the fact that they, you know, and this is people's opinions that they quote unquote still own these players because they're not making any money. In the NFL, they, they're getting, you know, they signed a contract. They've got a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, so the coach is more of like a guide, guider and stuff like that. And in college, they still kind of own these players. And it, I mean, it needs to be that way in college as far as the coach needs to have more control because they're still at, at the college level, they're still teaching these players the game. Um, some of these players might think that they know everything and some of them know a lot more than others, but they're still learning the game at the college level. Very much so. Whereas in the NFL, if you're a veteran in the NFL, you know, coach might give you a tip here and there, but you kind of know as long as you, okay, this is the game plan. Okay. I'm ready to go on Sunday, but college, they need that authority figure type because if, if everyone's equal on the college stage, then by the time they get to the NFL, these coaches are going to be going, be going, why do you not know any of this stuff? You know, why are you, mm-hmm. you know, and then the, the attitudes are going to be worse off earlier and it's just a snowball effect. So yeah, I, you know, I, I like the fact that these coaches are a little bit elite, but I think they just get too big of a head um, with those contracts being more than NFL coaches. It's just insane. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, they get to a point of power that is, is too great for sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, with that, we'll just have to check in on the NCAA. Um, it, it's going to be a very interesting topic uh, in the next several years to see what exactly happens if the pay for players happens, if, if we go to some kind of super conference, if we go to two different, you know, and we already have D1 and D1AA, but if we have another, you know, for elite recruits, yada, yada, it'll be really interesting. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Don't really have a great answer right now. I don't think anyone does. Um, so we'll just have to buckle up and, and hope that in five years we still have college football and that it is a six-team playoff. I think we're both in support of that from last year's podcast instead of a four-team or eight-team. Oh, I don't remember if I'm in on the playoff. six-team or if I'm in on the eight. We're gonna, yeah, we're definitely going to have to read. Oh, you're that in on the six. You said you were in on the six the last six? year. Oh, you, I thought you, you said going 16. To... Okay, no, six. Yes, six. Yes, six. Yes. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm in on the six, yes. Not 16. No, not at all. I'd say, I don't know if we could do that. Yes, yeah, no, six. not at all. So hopefully, you know, we see that in the next few years. But that that's kind of the that's kind of our little point of view on the outlook of college football. Um, before we go, Casey, I was telling you about this stat uh, yesterday. This will be our stat of the week. I'll try to bring you a uh, you guys a, a crazy stat of the week every week, at least one, if not one for each podcast. But I was telling Casey about this yesterday, but I have the actual full stat in front of me right now. So. Uh, this happened on August 24th. Today is what, the 26th? Is that right? Yes, 26th. 26th. So today is 26th. So two days ago, August 24th. On August 24th in 1919, okay, Indians pitcher, Cleveland Indians pitcher, Ray Caldwell was struck by lightning with two outs in the ninth inning, and the tribe was leading the athletics two to one. 
Caldwell not, was knocked unconscious, then revived and went on to retire Joe Dugan on a ground ball to end the game. That's crazy. How'd they yep. revive him? What'd they do? Like, did they have defibrillators back then? Or? It was 1919. So. Go slap him a few times, throw some ice water on him, <laughs> I, kick him I, in the ribs. Yeah, it was probably one of the, yeah, it was probably the old fashioned <laughs> just slap and halfway CPR. I don't know if that was a thing back then oh or not. Oh my gosh. I can just that imagine was, that. Man, and, and the thing is, there was no TV. There was no sports center. So everyone had to hear about this, I guess, on the radio and or newspaper. Um, <laughs> and that's just crazy to me. If you just happen to be at that game, oh, yeah, I saw the guy get struck by lightning and came oh, back to life. And the, the, the point of the, like the, 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 the whole point of view around it, as far as like opposed to nowadays to then, to, the, to revive the guy – and then was he asked if he wanted to finish the game or were they like, hey, you still got a batter left. You want to finish this game for us? Right. Like, what would be the point of – like, why wouldn't you just put in another pitcher? Like, by yeah, the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know the whole backstory behind that, but, I mean, you know that wouldn't fly today, but <laughs> – No, that's hilarious. <laughs> I could just see him throw a little cold water slapping him. Hey, you know right? Yeah. <laughs> you want to try to face his last batter? Yeah, you yeah, got one more, man. It. You gotta, you gotta get back in there. We're not, we're not over yet. We're not done. Let's go, champ. <laughs> yeah. So they just slapped uh, him around a few times and got him all pumped up and threw him right back out there. So I think we need a good story like that in this this segment. Yeah, yeah. So for there, for everyone, there's your uh, crazy stat of the week. Um, if you haven't already listened to our other podcast on the week, this it was kind of bringing in college football. Welcome everyone back to college football, prefacing our beloved Texas and Texas A&M um, seasons and going into our picks of the week and finally ending it with our final takes. Uh, and then we had this episode, obviously. So we are done for this week, uh, week one of the Unpopular Opinions podcast. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, check us out wherever you get your podcasts now, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Um, share it with your friends and family, uh, wherever you want to, any social media platforms, and subscribe to the podcast. And finally, leave us a rating or review. It helps a lot with visibility and helps get our name out there. With that, Casey, any last words? Uh, no, I think I have to go do some chores for your mom. So that's <laughs> All what right, I'm, si- I'm signing off with going to do chores for the wife. Signing <laughs> off to do chores. All right. Well, for Casey Cobb signing off, I am Chuck Taylor. We will see you guys next week. This has been Unpopular Opinions. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to talk more college football. Right on. <laughs>